Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1061, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Markets. This is New Bloomberg Markets. Corey Johnson here in our 1130 studios in New York City, right alongside Danny Berger. Danny, do you know I have a nickname from my hedge fund days? Really? What What was Spud. that? Spud. Spud. I did there because I turned to one of my analyst colleagues in my first hedge fund job, and I said, "What does spud mean?" Because I was covering an oil stock, and I'm supposed to know that about or the spudding an oil well when you first the drill bit first hits the ground is one of many things you have to know about the oil and gas business. The person who probably taught me the most is coming on the show in just a little bit to talk to Neil Dingman to talk about picking oil and gas stocks. So now that I know what spud is, I don't have to ask him. You can just call me Spud now from now on. But first. Let's get some business news headlines from Charlie Pellet. Charlie, nicknames? Right, uh, Nothing? That works for me, Spud. <laughs> Thank you so much. Here's what's going on. We have got the closing numbers at the close of four floor trading on the NYMEX. Brought to you by USCF. Invest in what's real. Visit uscfinvestments.com. That's uscfinvestments.com. West Texas Intermediate Crude down six tenths of one percent, down thirty two cents a barrel, forty nine oh eight on WTI. Brent crude down seven tenths of one percent, 52.02 on WTI. Most stocks higher, light trading, the dollar erased again, Treasury slipped during a lackluster session. We've got the tenure down 7.30 seconds, the yield there 2.28%. Crude, as we mentioned, retreating, gold down three and a half dollars the ounce to 12.57, down three tenths of one percent. U.S. equities are higher. We are setting records right now for the Dow, the S&P. So when might the gains start to fade and when might we see a Substantial sell-off. That is indeed the big question. John Stoltzfus is chief market strategist at Oppenheimer and Company, and here's what he had to say on Bloomberg Television. There's no expiry uh, on a uh, on a bull market uh, that's stamped on, on the lid of it. You know, uh, we'd have to say that we think uh, a correction will come up whenever the market perceives a catalyst that makes it. Uh, that justifies some profit-taking. I think a lot of people are uncomfortable about taking profits at these levels because they, they feel there's, a, there's more to come because of the improved fundamentals and not much in terms of animal spirits or, or irrational exuberance that we can see. And by the way, he's got a 26.50 target on the S&P 500 index right now, the S&P at 24.82. So again, recapping equities higher, S&P up a point, 24.82, a gain there of one-tenth of one percent. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that is a Bloomberg Business Flash. Thank you very much, Charlie Pellet. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets on Bloomberg Radio. Up Neil Dingman for most of the last hour on Bloomberg Radio. He joins us right now. He's a managing director at SunTrust Robinson Humphrey and covers uh, the oil sector, the oil patch for us. Uh, Neil, always a pleasure. Good afternoon, Corey. Danny. Um, so uh, first let's talk about the deck. What, what do you see happening to the oil prices and why? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's been obviously a tight range here as of late. And, and again, we see a bit more bullish coming. And we see prices roughly right around maybe a dollar too higher for the remainder of the year, which puts it around $50. And then next year we see closer to 55 or 60 And really, to me, that's predicated on, you know, two major things, and we call it kind of a seesaw, and that is what are the cuts by OPEC and Russia going to continue to do once the expiration uh, locks uh, the lockup ends in March, and that compared to what's going to happen to U.S. production. And, you know, I think the two are going to, Kind of go back and forth, but overall, uh, we think they're going to push push the prices higher. 
On the U.S. production note, we've seen the rig count slowing. Uh, we had Halliburton say that producers are tapping the brakes. Do you think this is a short-term dip? No, I mean, a lot of times, it's a good question, Danny. I think that when you see that dip in, in the rig count, a lot of times then you don't even see the effect for that until another six or nine months later. So that, that really also is factored in our account. Even today, uh, I believe it was the EIA that would even talked about permits, and uh, permits had fallen pretty dramatically here over the last month. So, again, because the rig account and the permits in the U.S. falling not only leads us in the short term, but our belief that six to nine months out uh, should be bullish for prices. All right, so that, that's bullish for prices. You're, you know, I, I think of you as a stock picker. What what are you looking at with this environment? And, and I'm curious if you've got a name or two that would be worth uh, taking a peek at. Yeah, I'll give you two. One, one sort of a large cap and one's just a micro. The, the, the micro is pretty simple because, again, it's been a pretty just steady eddy story. This is Ring Energy, REI, very simple, pure Permian company that's seen production double this year. We think it's going to double again next year. Uh, have absolutely zero debt, so that one is pretty simple. The one that has a little more hair on these days, uh, large cap, uh, Pioneer Natural Resources, PXD. They came out with earnings last week, and, you know, Corey, it's probably never good when the CEO describes a few of his recent wells as train wrecks. So ever, ever, ever since he said that, the stock has been down almost 20%. We think it's certainly overdone. It is one of the bellwethers of the pure Permian stocks, but uh, certainly got a little, some of these growing pains to go through once well, uh, the CEO says something like let that. Let me give you even a minute here, Neil. Just uh, Permian, great because lifting costs is low, basically, right? Absolutely. I mean, because now of all the services and infrastructure that is in that play more than anywhere else in the entire U.S., um, I mean, it's just, if you put it this way, you have a Permian well, which is now four and a half to five million dollars, which two years ago was seven and a half to almost eight million dollars. But do they need more wells with Pioneer? I mean, what, what's, so he, he had a couple wells that were dogs, but that's just a one quarter phenomenon, right? What's like, why, that, why is everyone else freaking out about this? Because the stock, that, as you that's exactly, collapsed. Corey. That's what I look at it from a, from an asset standpoint. These guys have almost a million acres in the place, so from an asset standpoint, they're very long. And then they just talked about in a sort of small area some pressure issues on wells. So exactly like you pointed out, I think it's a very limited, uh, very near-term phenomenon, which again, a bellwether like this is going to get by very quickly. You say pressure issues on wells. Teach me something about oil and gas. What does that mean? So when you're when you're drilling now down. Eight nine thousand feet. You have to go through different intervals, and what they said when they were going down, they didn't realize that you were going from under pressure to over pressure type uh, type zones. And as a result, you know, a lot of times you just put in a different type of fluid or different type of mud to basically be able to go through that. They said this higher pressure caused them to have to put an extra string of casing, which is very costly, on all these wells that they had to do that on. So, so the, the way I think about that is, is is if you shook up a bottle of soda and open it up, you got to pack enough stuff so that it doesn't come up until you're ready, and then you put casing to sort of surround the, the lip of the bottle all the way through into the bottle until you're ready to flow with what's in the, what's in the bottle. Great, great analogy. And, you know, they, they were trying to do that just using the solution within what you were describing rather than have to do that casing, which certainly is much more expensive. And they found out, uh, you know, that that just didn't work, and they had to spend the extra money. Now, so what are you waiting for to realize the gains on, on Pioneer to turn around some of that oversold uh, sentiment around the stock? 
you know, there's there's some conferences coming up, and you're just going to have to see on a number of wells, Danny, coming up that, you know, again, they just have to recognize a lot of these pressure issues are always there. They always will be there. They just have to recognize them ahead of time and basically use that right fluid. I think Corey had a very good description of that. As long as they can recognize this far enough in advance, you should be able to just use some, some drilling mud around there and uh, be able to do those for a much cheaper price than what they completed those other wells. Neil Dingman from SunTrust, Robertson Humphrey. Thanks a lot, Neil. Appreciate it. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets on Bloomberg Radio. This is Bloomberg. Good to Nathan Hager right now as we look at some world and national news headlines from 991 Studios in Washington, D.C. Thanks, Corey. North Korea may have crossed the next threshold toward becoming a full-fledged nuclear power. The Washington Post reports the Defense Intelligence Agency has completed a confidential assessment that estimates the North has produced a miniaturized warhead that can fit inside a missile. This after a unanimous U.N. Security Council, backed by Russia and China, imposed new sanctions over Pyongyang's missile and nuclear programs. Former U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Bill Richardson says sanctions should be followed by diplomacy, not a preemptive strike. The worry I have is, you know, the president tweets all these threats. Uh, you know, he's tweeting intelligence activity by North Korea on one this morning. My worry is that all this talk about preemptive military strikes, uh, North Korea being hotheads, it will cause a miscalculation. Richardson on Bloomberg Television. Police in Brussels say they've opened fire on a vehicle after a high-speed chase in the suburb of Molenbeek, and the driver told them he had explosives inside. The Belgian broadcaster RTL reports this German-registered vehicle backed into a police car after it got stuck in traffic. Brussels has been on high alert since last year's subway and airport attacks. Many suspects linked to that and the 2015 Paris attack lived in or went through Molenbeek. Fewer passengers are getting bumped on airlines these days. The Transportation Department says 44 million ticketed flyers were refused seats in the second quarter. That's the lowest level since 1995. The agency isn't saying why, but it comes after a man was bloodied after being dragged off a United flight in April. Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries.